Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joined today, he's a former MLB player. It's Charlie Tillson. How are you doing today, Charlie? I'm doing great. Really excited to be on. I appreciate you uh, including me. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your Rise to the Challenge. What we'd like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up. So I'm from Wilmette, Illinois, which is just a little bit north of Chicago. And um, to be honest, you know, like most most former athletes, um, I love to play sports. And and um, for me, it wasn't just baseball. I uh, I played soccer. I played football. I played basketball. Um, you know, it was year round for me and I like to, you know, do all kinds of different things, but there's no doubt I, uh, you know, really developed a love for baseball early on. I was fortunate. I had um, an older brother that just included me on everything. And, um, you know, he became a diehard Sox fan at a young age and, um, you know, we, we were hooked and uh, it was a good time to be fans in Chicago, you know, it was um, right around, the 1998 home run race. So Ken Griffey Jr. was sort of our hero, but we also, you know, got to watch Sammy Sosa doing his thing on the north side. And, you know, it was uh it was a great time to be honest. And um, you know, it was just a ton of ton of sports for me growing up. I never would have imagined I'd, you know, have the opportunity to get to play in the big leagues myself, but it just started with a uh you know, intense passion. You talked about your brother being a White Sox fan. Between the Cubs, White Sox, which was your team? Or what was the team that you had cheered for? You know, truthfully, I had no choice. You know how older brothers can be. Um, but, you know, I, I do, I will say, like, we we rooted for the Cubs. We We really, my dad was from Ohio, so he had no affiliation to either team and um you know whenever he would get tickets we would go and um I will say like full disclosure like I'm a big Sammy Sosa fan at at this point but my brother was at the game when he corked his bat and uh, (laughs) yeah he came home from the game and you know like just caught up in like sort of the controversy was like you know what we're we're Sox fans from here on out. And there's not many of them on the North side of Chicago. So we were really going against the grain and um, it just happened to be the perfect time to become a Sox fan too. You know, this was 2001 that I think the incident happened and and the Cubs obviously had a great run in 03, but the Sox, um, you know, had a young, exciting team. We loved going to us cellular at that time. It was, yeah, I think it was U.S. Cellular. Um, and we would do the speed pitch, you know. It was, it was just a, the stadium. Like, obviously, Wrigley is unbelievable. It has its mystique. But Sox Park was just so much fun to to be a kid. You know, they had the fundamental zone. I would race against Scott Pitsednik, you know. like And um, obviously, 05, the Sox just had a, a magical team. And um they were so fun to watch. And for someone like me, I was kind of an undersized uh, kid that I could really run. And watching the way Ozzie Gian managed that team with small ball and guys like Scott Pitsednik, who, you know, he had a big home run in the World Series, but he really, I think, only hit 
one or two the entire season, but he did so many things on the bases and bunting and moving runners over. And it was so inspiring for me. It, re- it really opened my eyes to like, man, you know, maybe there's a place for me to do something like that in professional baseball. And um, that was sort of where it all began. Well, I'm glad you said White Sox because I'm from St. Louis. So Cardinals, Cubs, that I, we would already have a rivalry on the podcast. And we haven't <laughs> even started the conversation. But I went to Wrigley and it was so spectacular. And then you hear like with the White Sox, how they're just, they had that good year. And then it's kind of like what happened to them in a way. And where you are now, are you still rooting for that team? Are you hoping that 2005 feel comes back for the White Sox or do you have different teams now? Yeah, well, you know, I was actually drafted a Cardinal. So I I spent six years in their organization and I think the world of that organization I think you're in a great spot the one the one beef I have with them is getting rid of Mike Schilt he was my yeah he was my rookie ball manager and um, I was so fortunate I mean to begin professional baseball as like an 18 year old and have someone like Mike Schilt coaching you is like a total advantage and I think anyone who played for him with would agree with that he just is so good at teaching the fundamentals and it was no surprise to me when he was having so much success one manager of the year and all that stuff I just I was bummed when they let him go because I think he wanted to be a cardinal you know for the for his career um but I still root for the White Sox I I actually you know was traded to the Sox and and made my big league debut for them and, and spent like parts of three seasons playing for them, which, you know, was a dream come true for me. I mean, it was the team that, you know, really helped me fall in love with the game and um, to be able to put on their uniform my my first time in the big leagues, it was like really a a special thing. Um, And I, I made great friends and had great teammates, Um, you know, Tim Anderson uh Jose Abreu um some of them are gone obviously now like Abreu we we watched play game seven last night but um you know they're just uh it's it's a great organization um and um for me they gave me the opportunity to play in the big leagues and um I'll always be a White Sox fan I want to talk about something you mentioned a little while ago you talked about being undersized and kind of making your own as a player when you were playing initially starting out was that something that you didn't have confidence in because the r- wide range of looks, athleticism, things like that, it kind of made you nervous on how far can I take it? Do people really see me as a or a starting player and feel like an undercard or a wild card in a way? Yeah, you know, I I did. I I knew like that my, you know, my game didn't really you know, shine in the sense where I was going to be hitting the ball the hardest or hitting it the furthest. Um, I I will say, you know, in high school, I my dream was to get a college scholarship. I like I didn't really have my sights set on pro baseball out of high school because of what you're saying. I just, you know, I figured those opportunities were for bigger guys, perhaps even like guys from down south who play year round. Um, but I had a great scout who kind of 
took me under his wing um, when I was in high school. His name was Dan Durst. And uh, ironically, he was a scout for the White Sox, um, who I ended up with. But he saw something in my game, um, and he asked me to come try out for the area code team, um, which is like they take like four guys from Illinois, four guys from you know, Missouri and Indiana, and they put together like a a Midwest team. And there's, you know, a team from every region that goes out and uh, competes for like a week in California. And it's, it's a great tournament. There's always, you know, great players. Um, but I made the team, which was eye opening for me. You know, I like, I, I, like I said, like, I just didn't see myself um, sort of shining in that situation, but he recognized that like I could really run and I could change the game with my legs. And I was on the flight out to California sitting next to him and he's like, you know, giving me like the pep talk of my life. And, and he basically told me like, listen, like you have what it takes to play in the big leagues. You got to believe it. And here's what I want you to do. You know, there's going to be, tons of scouts in the stands so you're not going to play the game you know the way you maybe typically would picking situations to run you're going to show these guys you know what you can do right from the jump and um he's like if you get on first base first pitch I want you to steal second and then once you're on second first pitch I want you to steal third and um sure enough my first at bat I got a hit and uh, I took his advice. I stole second. I stole third. And I ended up scoring. And my teammates, you know, who I'd never met, they're from all over the country, uh, were like, wow, man, you know, you can really run. Like, and it just, it gave me this confidence. You know, I, I ended up hitting a home run the next day, which was kind of out of character for me. But it it made me really, he helped me really believe, you know, that, I have what it takes. Um, and that weekend really changed my career. You know, I was a University of Illinois commit, um, but hadn't really heard from like SEC schools or anything like that. And after that weekend, I was, you know, projected top five round pick in the draft. And um, I kind of discovered, you know, I was capable of playing at a really high level and, um, that was, you know, he, he really helped me kind of unlock that potential. What position did you play? I was a center fielder coming up. You know, I, I and then when I got to the big leagues, I played uh, center left and right. Um, you know, naturally, you, you find wherever you can get in the lineup. Um, but, yeah, I came up a, a center fielder. Was that always that position that you wanted to play? Or if you had the opportunity to play a different position, what would have been that position? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I was left-handed. So as I got older, I was sort of limited and, and, you know, what I could play. But growing up, I mean, I loved to play shortstop. You know, I, I loved to play catcher. I had a pretty good arm. So I, I liked throwing guys out. Um, and that's, you know, something – I'd encourage like kids to play, play everywhere, you know, don't find yourself in, in the mold of, of your handedness. Like me being a lefty, I knew I'd end up probably in the outfield. I wasn't big enough to play first base. Um, 
but I think you develop a lot of skills and you learn the game, you know, when you're playing all over the place when you're young. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to be a shortstop to be honest with you, but there's no left-handed shortstops in baseball, unfortunately. When I was playing, I always got put as a catcher and I hated that position. I think I did it for like four years and I'm like you, I wanted to be in the infield because I prefer, that was where the excitement was. Like, you know, you're probably going to get a ground out. You're going to have that chance to throw it to first or whatever base, but they always suck me at catcher. And I'm like, well, I got to do it. At least I wanted to play. I just did not want to sit on the bench. And I feel like playing those positions that you're uncomfortable with or something you're not, it always teaches something about you. And I think that was the greatest opportunity for me. It kind of showed me I could be an in-game leader, even in that position. I'm able to show leadership in a way of helping the pitcher kind of Mm -hmm. focus, mentally get into the game and stuff. And it kind of like looking back at it, I'm like, I liked where that went. Would I do it again? No. Like I would not (laughs) be a catcher again. I I think a different outcome would probably been the best for me. For sure. You make great points. I mean, you command the game, you know, and you you keep the most important guy sort of engaged and trying to keep him level-headed, the pitcher, obviously. And it comes with some bruises, though. <laughs> How many years did you go to college or education-wise while playing baseball? So I signed – I ended up signing right out of high school. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I passed up – going to Illinois I for me it was a really tough decision but I just wanted to you know be able to to get in to professional baseball you know at the youngest age possible I felt like my window would probably be smaller than most given how important my speed was um you know looking back um there's advantages and there's disadvantages like I went from playing a uh, you know, 30, 40 game schedule in high school to play in 140 games. Mm-hmm. And that was tough on me physically. You know, it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I started to fill out and get stronger um, after, you know, working out and learning how to train for a season. So I dealt with some injuries um, early on that I think, you know, kind of balanced out the advantage of, of starting early. Um but to answer your question, yeah, I, I, um, you know, went right out of high school. I'm actually back in college getting my undergrad now. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was 10 years, 10 year gap in between. Do you feel that being in a major setting with going into the minor leagues at a young age that from a personal standpoint, were you ready for that big change? Because you were going to be exposed to, different lifestyle, different changes that a 18 year old is not used to seeing unless they're going to college where they kind of get shown that world in a different way. No doubt. That's, I mean, honestly, that's a really great question. You know, I, it was, um, it was a really eye opening experience. You know, I, on, on one hand, it was amazing to be exposed to um you know not just being around guys of all different ages I was you know obviously like the youngest in 
pro ball. There were a couple other guys my age, but most were out of college. Um, and, and that was a good experience. You know, they were more mature. Um, another great experience was just being with guys from all around the world. You know, I had teammates from Venezuela, teammates from the Dominican, um, teammate, I had a teammate from Panama my first year. And, um, obviously all around the country too. So it's, it's really a cool experience to be in a, a baseball clubhouse. Um, you know, there's just so many different influences and, um, it's, it, it, you know, you could learn a lot from other people. Um, with that, I think, um, being young, um, I, I didn't really know how to like take care of myself through a 140 game season where you're playing sometimes like 20 games in a row without a day off. I was still, you know, kind of going to steak and shake after the game and, and like staying up late and, um, you know, obviously being a 18, 19 year old and having fun. And, um, you know, that, that took a toll, you know, I think where come August, September, you really start to hit that kind of mental drain, yeah. physical drain. And um, as I got older, I really, you know, learned and it took going through some injuries where I just really learned the importance of nutrition, sleep, um, training. I think like those three things are so critical and and it's not just a physical thing it's a mental thing you know like and and then there's the whole side of uh just kind of the the mental struggle of playing baseball and trying to perform and and trying to keep your numbers at a certain level to to move up and I went through a lot of you know different learning experiences through that like at first I'm kind of watching, you know, the guys below me and the guys above me and, you know, worrying about, is this guy going to take my spot or am I playing well enough to take his spot? And <laughs> that's just not where you want to be. You know, I think sometimes you can limit yourself. You, you, you might be capable of a lot more than, than what the guy above you is doing. And, and when you're just trying to hit that bar, you're kind of, you know, not really opening yourself up to to everything else you could be doing and I just um as I kept going um I really just you know tried to focus on helping my team win um you know being where my feet were how I could make little um adjustments to my daily routine and uh a big thing for me too is really working on keeping a level head you know, it's baseball can be an extremely frustrating sport. It's like you fail a lot more times than you succeed. And, um, you know, in professional baseball where you're playing 140 games, you could find yourself, you know, going 0 for 15 a couple of times a year. And that's like three, four nights where you go to bed like, man, I didn't didn't do anything to help my personal statistics. And you're focused on that climb. But keeping a level head and just maintaining focus on the process of like, how am I getting better on a daily basis and the things that I can control instead of, you know, looking at the results and kind of just allowing yourself to, 
ride the the wave. You know, I I did that a lot early on, and I had some great teammates um, and coaches. Mike Schilt being one of them. Um, that really kind of taught me what it takes to to play at that level and show up every day with a consistent mentality. Some people might view the minor league system as a competition field from looking at it from an outsider's perspective, where each person is representing themselves as an individual trying to make it to that one spot in the majors and having to go through multiple levels. But you kind of talked about how you had to perform as a team, because if the team goes well, then the higher ups are looking at you thinking, okay, let's move them to the next step. What about the personal side? You're focused on the professional of getting to the majors. Did the challenges that you faced of maybe the long road it took you to get to the majors or the injuries or the changes in schedule, did that ever play an effect with you from a personal standpoint with friendships, families, et cetera? For sure. Yeah. You know, it's personally, I, I, I went through a lot of growth, you know, I, um, yeah, I, I think going through high school, you're trying to get drafted and, and I did eventually, and there's a lot of pressure that comes with that, you know, and then when you get the opportunity, um, you obviously, you know, it's a long road to the big leagues and, you know, you feel like to be a success, you know, you got to get there. And I I think um, for me personally, like, I didn't know how to handle that my first couple years. And, and, um, you know, I would get really frustrated and um, it would affect my entire mood. And I wasn't able to show up as a teammate, you know, because I was so sort of consumed and how I wasn't playing well. And obviously not only not being a good teammate, but I'm not like physically present to get out of that funk, you know, I'm I'm just sort of allowing it to get the best of me. Um, and I think like a mistake that I was making personally that I, you know, imagine is common for athletes is you sort of attach your self-worth to this game, you know, like my identity was kind of being a, a baseball player, especially, you know, when I was having the opportunity to get drafted and, and, you know, you're getting like notoriety in the community. And, and, um, you know, I felt like I was Charlie, the, the baseball player. And, um, a lot of times, you know, you, you lose sight of like, all you can do is is put in all the work and and you know try to find the right resources and and do all those things to try to help you reach your potential but you can't control you know where that potential ends and and where that road ends and i think like when you're seeing yourself as either a success or a failure based on you know, what you're doing on the field or what you're doing in your job, whatever industry it is, um, you're going to be riding sort of a wave of of emotions and and it's not going to help you reach the potential that that you're looking for. So that was big for me. Um, I had a teammate that, you know, challenged me for an entire season to not you know, show any frustration 
to just, you know, sort of be stoic. And um, I cannot tell you what a difference it made, not only in like my mental state, you know, like when you kind of give in to that, like pouting, um, you know, it, it just, it has a way of tiring you out, you know, and then um, he was the best teammate I, I've, I've had. His name is Alex Mejia. Um, and that season, I, it, it was like, it was so eye opening because I just was so present, you know, and um, it was, it was really challenging at first, but after like a month or so, it was just kind of a, a part of me. And, um, you know, there were times in my career um, where I had to confront that challenge again, um, where things, you know, felt like more adversity than I can handle. But I always went back to that that lesson that he taught me, and um, it was really critical. Looking just at your minor league experience, was there a stadium that's memorable for you that you got to play in? Something about it that maybe a fan didn't know existed, because a lot of people they've never been to a minor league game. So they don't know those hidden ballparks that are like known in the area. Yeah. Man, that's a really good question. I, I could name, I'll give you a few because there's some highlights. Clinton, Iowa um, had, it was a really old field. I think they may have redone it. If not, you got to hurry up and get over there. <laughs> <laughs> But it was next to a dog food factory. It was, I think, Karina. And it just, yeah, it was known because it's like, you're going to go there and it's really going to smell. But um, it was one of the oldest parks in minor league baseball. And it had like a little labyrinth to get um, to the dugout bathroom. And there would be a little sign over the urinal that said, you know, Babe Ruth used this bathroom. And (laughs) I don't I don't know if it was true or not, but I always like remembered that. And it just like felt like so cool to me. It's just like a reminder that, you know, you're a part of, um, you know, such like a deep history. And, and some of those parks are so old and, um, you know, kind of so entrenched in the community. Like Clinton, even though it was felt like a tough place to play, they always had such great fans. And, and that was really cool. Um, Dayton was unbelievable um they sell out pretty much every single game so if you're ever in Dayton Ohio I suggest you go to a Dragons game uh me personally Kane County was like the the park for me because I grew up going to Kane County Cougars games and you know just being able to play against the Cougars I really felt like it was kind of full circle and they have a great tradition there it's just uh an old minor league park with Great fans. You know, it's far enough out of Chicago that a ton of people show up. So it was a, that was a really cool place for me. Talk about that moment where you get the call that you're going up to the major leagues. What was that like for you? It was crazy, man. I I mean, I cannot, I mean, I've described it like I was such a big Sox fan and they, they were so influential in my career. It was like, for me, like, a dream scenario and I uh I got a call it's like right around the trade deadline I was in triple a and I had been playing pretty well and 
I felt like I could be a piece of a trade um, when I heard my phone buzzing at like 7 a.m., which is rare for <laughs> minor leagues. You know, you're usually waking up late and staying up late because you're playing at night. But uh, it was our general manager, and I was like, oh, my God, you know, I'm, I'm about to get traded. And he told me, uh, we're trading you with Chicago White Sox, and, you know, I think you're going to be really happy with uh, – the results. Um, I just kind of took that to mean like, you know, there might be opportunities in the big leagues coming up. I, I didn't think I'd be joining the team, but it was followed up by a call with the, the White Sox general manager. And he told me, you're going to meet the team in Detroit. And I was like, Detroit, <laughs> like <laughs> that's where the Tigers played. He's like, yeah, that's right. You're going to the big leagues. And I was in the bathroom. I, you know, had a roommate who was still sleeping and I just like, it was uh, such a surreal moment, man. And I couldn't wait to call my brother and call my parents. Like I, they thought, I was like, they're going to think I'm, you know, pranking them. It, it was <laughs> sort of like too cool. Um, but it was, it was, to be honest with you, it was kind of a bittersweet um, debut for me. You know, I, um, Traveled to Detroit. I had a couple of days off. I had been like dealing with a, uh, you know, hamstring, um, sort of not an injury at that point. I it, like it had been, you know, off and on bothering me that season. Um, I felt like I got a couple of days off. I'll be good to go. Um, but I'll say like I stepped on the field and I had so much adrenaline in Detroit like I you know felt like I could run through a wall you know and my first at bat I got a hit I was on first next to Miguel Cabrera like it was <laughs> sort of like everything you know you could could have could have dreamed of um but in the sixth inning I believe it was the sixth inning they had uh runners on second and third and two outs and you know I was playing center field as an outfielder you're thinking like all right, I got to, you know, make a play on, on a fly ball here and try to stop these runs from scoring. And um, there was a ball hitting the gap. And, you know, like I said, I, I had so much adrenaline. I think, like, you're playing in AAA, you can kind of, like, play with that throttle a little bit, and, and you're sort of aware of, like, where your 100% is. Um I wasn't, I was like, I'm going to go catch this ball and show my teammates, um, you know, what I could do, uh, what my speed can do to help the team. And unfortunately I, I tore my hamstring that night and in my debut, which was for me, I mean, devastating. I like felt like, um, you know, everything had lined up perfectly. You know, I was seeing the ball well at the plate, um, and I was having a shot. The Sox were kind of beginning a rebuild. They traded, you know, me for a, a veteran player. Um, so I was going to have a lot of opportunities that that season. And um, so that was tough. It was uh, it went from being like a pretty amazing day to, um, you know, a, a challenge that was that was, you know, coming up. And and it was not like a minor hamstring pull. I, I had to get surgery and, um, you know, pretty much get a full repair. So it was a long road, long road back. 
<laughs> you talked about the road to recovery was a long process. Did you ever have that moment thinking, I don't know what the future is going to be like? Am I going to be able to come back? Will the team want me to be ready to go? Because baseball is one of those in any sport. It's like the game still continues. And someone's now taking that spot from you because of the injury. What was going through your mind mentally through the recovery process? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, And, you know, to your point, I was really focused on, you know, by next spring training, I have to be ready. And um, it was sort of like, I wasn't, I I just was so focused on that. I wasn't really paying attention to what I was hearing on the outside, you know, like, um, you know, what doctors had to say, what trainers had to say. Um, I was really headset on like, I'm going to do everything I can to be ready for spring training and, you know, secure that spot as my spot, you know, because to, to your point, you know, it's tough to, to get up there. And then, you know, when you're not on the field and I had learned that throughout my career, other people, you know, are ready to capitalize on that opportunity. Um, so I really was gung ho in my, my rehab. Um, I wanted to be doing as much as possible, you know, like as soon as I was able to walk, I was, you know, walking around the entire city kind of all day, just trying to get things moving. Um, But it was, it was a shock, you know, like I had had surgeries before. Um, This one was a different feeling afterward. I mean, it felt like I had like a cylinder block in my, my leg, you know, and I, Yeah, it was, it was different, you know, not, not many, um, not many athletes have like a hamstring rupture, um, the way I had ruptured it from my hip bone. And, um, the doctor explained to me going into surgery that this was sort of an 80% recovery rate, um, which, yeah, it was kind of shockingly low. And, and he's like, even, you know, the guys who recover, it's hard, you know, like to get to the speed that you had been. Basically, he was telling me it's, it's going to take a ton of work. And um, it did. And it did not happen for me as as quickly as I would like. I I maintained that idea that I was going to get back for spring training. And I sort of spoke that into existence with the trainers um but I was not physically right and I just was kind of refusing to confront it you know I just kept working and working and working um and unfortunately uh like right around the time spring training was starting and I I had been out on the field you know telling everyone I was going to be ready to go I had some coaches um kind of observed me and and you know some guys with experience I remember Mark Grudzelanek who was my AAA manager former Cardinal um kind of pulled me aside and he was like hey man like I know you really want to get back but just from watching you you know like when you get back on the field you're gonna want to be 
you know, a hundred percent and you're going to like want to be able to show, you know, your, your best self out there. Um, because, you know, coaches, scouts in the big leagues, he's like, they're not going to say like, Oh, that guy was hurt. You know, if you're out there and you're just not playing well, um, I didn't really listen. I just felt like I'm going to, I'm going to prove this guy wrong, you know? And, um, I ended up breaking my foot and it was a stress fracture, which like was honestly like, it made sense. Like what he saw is I was so choppy. Um, you know, my hamstring just was not strong. It wasn't, you know, stable. Um, you know, it just, it wasn't fully there yet. And I was trying to do everything I would do, you know, as if I was completely healthy and um, I was relying so much on my other leg to kind of develop power and speed and slow down and all these things that I fractured my uh, foot. And it was sort of a blessing in disguise. I mean, it was um, at the time I felt like, you know, the world's ending, you know, like I just had had this big injury in my debut and now spring training is like, I'm walking around in a boot. I felt like, you know, like it was not the impression you want to make to the fans, to your teammates, to the coaches. Um, so it was really tough at the time. And and it was all sort of a result of me pushing and pushing and pushing, you know. Um, but it allowed me to get to the bottom of things, you know, like my my hamstring was really not progressing um even in the off season and um I would just kind of was ignoring the signs um but I ended up meeting with the GM of the White Sox and talking to him honestly about sort of like um some of the struggles I was having physically despite the work that we've been putting in and um it led to me getting a, a second surgery that really helped um and it was totally necessary like uh kind of free things up like that cylinder block thing wasn't just uh you know in my head it was like I was I physically had so much swelling from the initial surgery that that um it was like compartmental syndrome if that makes sense um is the way they described it so after this uh, second surgery, I um, found some really good trainers in Chicago. I actually trained with these guys the rest of my career. Um, and they really listened to, you know, exactly where I was describing I was struggling. For me, it was like I couldn't produce power when I was running, you know, like it, it wasn't like I was apprehensive or scared to really push it. It was like I was like, you know, trying to rev up the engine and it was like, there was nothing there, you know? And that was like a very scary feeling for me because, you know, speed was everything. And um, we kind of went back to square one and really um, didn't cut any corners and got my leg really strong before we even started running again. And before I knew it, I was, you know, like 
as fast as I had been, I still had some like struggles with stability. Things weren't quite like a hundred percent normal. Um, but it, this was, to me, it was like, this was what the doctor was talking about, you know, like it was really going to take meticulous work. And it wasn't just like, you know, like I never, I never had issues working hard and sweating and like getting in the gym, but this was more than that. This was like researching, you know, nutrition. It was sort of all things combined and it changed like it it opened me up to the idea that like being an athlete is not just from when you show up to the field to when you go home it's 24 hours a day what you're putting in your body and you know nutrition really changed my life at that point um I you know stopped eating out started pretty much like predominantly cooking for myself and made a lot of adjustments in my diet and training was completely different you know like it wasn't just like oh what are we doing today it was like we had you know three week phases like the first three weeks we're gonna get these movements down then the next three weeks we're going to get these movements down, which were a little bit more advanced and we just progressed and progressed. And I ended up getting back. Um, I, you know, played in the fall league. I missed that entire season, which was tough. Um, but I got strong. I got fast again. I played in the fall league and I went 0 for 15 <laughs> to Ooh. start which was like kind of like man like you know I just kind of like overcame this whole physical thing now I feel like I'm not seeing the ball like I you know had been and um it was tough man it took a lot of time I I uh the next season in spring training I was the first guy sent down to the minor leagues um and I had worked really hard you know it just uh Injuries are tough, not only for for baseball players physically, but, you know, the like littlest things like for me, it was my back hip. I hurt and it really forced me to change my whole stance and kind of set up in the box. And it took some searching um, to kind of figure it out. And, you know, 2018, I got back to the big leagues, which was, you know, a special moment for me, given everything I'd been through between. 2016 and 2018 but I still wasn't really feeling like I was able to do what I was capable of um I was running pretty well uh, but I was not hitting well and um that was frustrating and that's kind of where what I was talking about before with like the you know frustration kind of starting to show itself um that was creeping back up you know I had been through this whole experience getting hurt in my debut you know overcoming these setbacks and it just was like the adversity felt like it was just so much when I like got back on the field and I couldn't really hit the way I'd hit before um but 2019 I got taken off the roster um and I was you know that was a humbling moment and I knew it was going to be hard to get back into the big leagues you know once you're off the 40-man roster you have to get back on and they have to take someone else off for you to even you know get close so um 
it kind of relaxed me a little bit, I would say, um, where I just felt like, you know, now I was kind of taking on this underdog role. Um, and the worst had sort of happened, if that <laughs> makes sense. Um, but I, you know, continued to train hard with these trainers. Like, you know, I was a big league player. I, you know, you, you train for the role that you want. And that was something Mike Schilt taught me. And, I stuck with it and uh, I had a great coach uh, in spring training, Frank Menachino. Um, he saw me in spring training, um, pulled me aside and he was like, you can hit, man. You just don't know what you're doing right now. And I was like, thank you. I mean, he was right. Like I was, you know, when you're, it wasn't that I didn't like know the fundamentals. It was more just like I, he could tell I was searching, you know, and I think that's what hitters do. It's, it's a game of failure. And when things, you know, kind of start to go south, you start to second guess some things. So you try new things. And um, he asked me to meet him at the field every day at 6am so that we could have like a personal hour together. And I like started hitting better than I ever had in my career. It was just like a few drills that he wanted me to do daily and without even thinking, it was like very simplistic. It wasn't like he was like, you know, giving me all this stuff. It was like, I'm going to be throwing it up here and I want you to hit it at this part of the cage a hundred times, you know, until your hands bleed. And he just worked this, this bat path back into me that changed my it, it just changed the whole trajectory of my career I I ended up hitting like 330 or 340 in the first month at AAA and I got called right back up to the big leagues and um, to me that was that was really like my return where I felt like um, you know I was really back to myself and had a uh, overcome the injury and and um it was a special moment I was so grateful to him you know for recognizing you know the potential in me and, and really putting in the time to to get me back to where I could really make an impact when did you feel that your career was kind of coming to an end and you're ready for that next chapter or did that next chapter happen when you didn't expect it would? Yeah, I would say when I didn't expect it would. Um, you know, after that season, I uh, signed with the Pirates and I uh, felt like I was going to have a great opportunity. I was with great coaches and, um, you know, spring training was awesome. Um, but obviously about halfway through COVID um, happened and, um about two months into the shutdown um you know teams started releasing like 30 40 guys a day because there was this whole bargaining going on between um the players union and the owners and they were trying to like play hardball in terms of like how many games we were going to play and how much of a pay cut players were going to take and um yeah I was unfortunately uh I think one of like 
30 guys, 40 guys released um, on the same day by the Pirates. And uh, there was no minor leagues that season. So there was no like real opportunity to, you know, have a good year in AAA and and get back up. Um, So I was at home and um, it was tough. I was not, you know, ready for it. I felt like I had just really gotten my game back together after you know a tough three four year stretch um but I was working out at Northwestern uh University that was sort of where I had trained in the off season always my high school coach's son was a hitting coach there and uh he was like hey you know um until this thing kind of shakes out would you want to come on as like our volunteer assistant, um, you know, and you can continue to train here and um, be around the guys. And uh, for me, it felt like a great opportunity. You know, I, I really liked the program. I loved Spence Allen. Uh, Dusty Napoleon was the hitting coach that kind of, you know, brought me into the the circle. Um, and uh it was a great experience. Like I felt like I really developed an appreciation for the opportunities I had being, you know, able to work with these college kids and share some of my experiences and and all types of things. Like mostly what we talked about earlier of, you know, sort of overcoming the anxieties of, trying to perform every day, you know, for them, they're trying to keep their scholarship and um, freshmen, like trying to make an impact and crack the travel roster. And um, I really enjoyed the process of like trying to help guys get in the right mindset to achieve their potential, you know, and, and not really worry about like, where that lands them but really just focusing on getting the most out of their skill set and having fun doing it you know I think like we you know progress in these certain areas that we've become really passionate about and um, for me and I'm speaking from experience um, you know like sometimes like you you start to put so much pressure on you know hitting certain bars that you kind of lose sight of the joy and just performing and, and, and being able to actually play baseball, you know, every day. And um, I wanted to help guys, you know, who were kind of struggling with that really get back to the roots of why they picked up a baseball to start with. Cause I think that's typically when your best, you know, self comes out uh, on the field and, um, that was, you know, eye-opening for me. Um, and it also challenged me. I felt like, you know, I had, you know, been kind of like holding out for affiliated jobs. I was turning down a lot of independent league jobs. And um, I felt like, you know, at a certain point, I had to look myself in the mirror and, and you know, ask myself, like, why aren't I still doing this? You know, I, I'm, you know, healthy now and like, I love it. Um, obviously, you know, the, the jobs that I felt like I had earned weren't really 
available after what happened with COVID and, um, you know, teams were kind of shrinking their roster and they were, you know, shifting their attention to younger players and the guys my age were kind of going by the wayside. But um, I started, you know, to see a lot of peers of mine signing all over the place, Mexico, independent ball. And I, you know, felt like I should be walking the walk, you know, and not just talking the talk, so to speak. And so uh, when the season wrapped up, I left and went to Mexico and started playing again. And um, it was amazing, man. I, I like was a really, you know, powerful experience for me to kind of think it was all over and, um, you know, kind of ask myself, um, I guess I should say really reflect on it and decide that, you know, I, I should keep giving this a go regardless of whether or not it's where I think I should be. Um, and eventually, you know, I hadn't played in a while, so I got released from the team in Mexico. We were pretty good too. You know, we had Bartolo Colon, which was cool to play alongside him and Eric Ibar and, um, Alex Mejia, my, you know, old Cardinal teammate was, was on the team. So that was really cool to reconnect with him. Um, but I signed with the Long Island Ducks after that independent ball team, uh, played for Wally Backman, which was pretty cool. Um, and I ended up getting signed by the Phillies and, and, you know, spent half a season in triple a. Um, so it was cool. I felt like I, you know, really wanted to get, back to the big leagues, obviously, um, didn't happen that year, but I had a good year. You know, I was doing my thing. I, you know, was in the lineup every day and, um, you know, also I felt like being a better teammate after the whole coaching experience I had had. And, um, it was, it was really a great season. And the next year I played with, uh, the Chicago dogs hoping, you know, I would get another chance with the, affiliate affiliated team and unfortunately it, it didn't happen um and I had a kid that season too which was a really exciting you know experience obviously so that's sort of what pushed me toward you know starting school and um you know getting ready to turn the page but that that sort of return to baseball after coaching you know being released when I really wasn't expecting it. Um, it was, it was kind of a critical growth experience for me to, you know, have my back against the wall again, after, you know, navigating those injuries, but just really kind of going out and playing regardless of where it was, because I know it's, it's, it's what I love to do. When you're not in school, what does Charlie like to do for fun? And you can't say baseball because you already love doing baseball. <laughs> yeah, I do play with some kids in the neighborhood. Um, you know, I love spending time with my son. Like, I, I think every father, you know, would probably say that. But I I take him to the beach. Um, I, you know, I'm in school now. So uh, my wife has been working and, um, you know, doing a great job. I really admire her for it. It's, a lot of work at times, but I, um, you know, I wake up with him and, uh, I get him on the, my bike and we go down to the beach and, 
watch the sunrise and um you know i love to be at the beach i paddleboard a lot um i've been working on my golf game it's still terrible <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah you know kind of taking on new challenges um outside of baseball athletically is a ton of fun for me like um i have a lot of family my my sisters live out in colorado and um they do a lot of mountain biking so i've been getting into that a little bit i mean mostly i just i love to be outside you know and and um i love to be up early and uh you know spending time with my family and and um being a father it's really pretty pretty unbelievable so I'm usually asking this question at the beginning of the interview because you kind of talked about that baseball was that dream job. Now with you being in school now, what is that dream job that you're wanting to come from that? Yeah, you know, it's been a lot of kind of searching um, over the past couple of years, but I do feel like I, I have a pretty clear idea lately. Um Kind of going back to what I was saying with coaching, um, I really loved coaching, but I felt like, you know, I liked working on the mental side more so than, um, you know, teaching the X's, X's and O's. Like I love baseball and being out there and doing work with hitters and outfielders, but I really, really enjoyed kind of, um, you know, talking with guys about what's sort of getting in their way, whether it's on the field or off the field. Um, I feel like I've, I've, I've been through a lot of different experiences, um, you know, both as a player and as a person, um, you know, over the course of my career. And um, I want to be able to use that, you know, I, 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 um, I want to be able to use those experiences to kind of help support guys and, um, you know, hopefully be able to, take something from the things I've been through and, and allow them to, to gain something from it. Um, so I'm finishing up a degree in psychology. I, I have about like a year left in my undergrad. Um, and I'm thinking about going into uh, social work to be a uh, licensed clinical social worker and, and be able to work with, um, you know, both, athletes and uh you know non-athletes on um things happening uh in their lives uh for athletes probably more specifically off the field um and just try to help them the best way I can to to be able to reach their potential and and really you know enjoy their lives and their careers I love hearing that because it talks about your passion for what you were doing prior to school with helping people and from an athletic standpoint and the mental focus. And now you're able to hopefully turn that into that career aspect and you're on your way to get there. And we know that it's going to happen because baseball has taught you to kind of focus on what's the big picture. What are you wanting to get out of that journey that you're on? And you've had so many avenues that you've been on with it, where now you're really taking advantage of, taking that big picture and what do you want to do with it? And you're going to school, you're making that difference into reaching that end goal. So getting that job is kind of like that big league 
aspect for you. That's going to get you to the big league for you and being able to work hard to get to that goal, just in a different way from a career aspect than a baseball aspect. Yeah. I love the way you frame that. I mean, I like, I'll be honest. It's, it's sort of stressful. I think uh, you feel like a fish out of water at times. Like um, <laughs> Everything is so, you know, athletic focus from such a young age to, kind of having a late start on, you know, most people who are trying to figure out their careers either after high school or after college. Um, But yeah, when you put it like that, you know, I I do feel like, man, you know, I've really focused on a long-term challenge before and put my best foot forward. So yeah, I, I appreciate that. I think apply the same skills and, you know, all will, all will work out. I definitely feel like it would be like a big league type opportunity. I mean, just to be able to, you know, have the license to help guys and and make a difference and make a positive, you know, contribution. It would, you know, really give me a lot of fulfillment. I think you brought up such a great point with the age aspect where age is just a number. If you're going to college at an older than the typical age of a college student, that shouldn't matter because everyone has different paths that they're on. Sometimes people get to it right away when they come out of high school. Sometimes it's in a different path because they maybe went the work route, kind of what you did. You went that work route and now you're going to this path. So I think you bring up a great point that people are listening to this, that they know that if they're in that same situation, they can have that confidence to go back to school or go for the first time and really build that path that they want. For sure. Yeah. I like, I had a lot of sort of fear about school. You know, I, in high school, I think a lot of people could relate to this. There's so much stuff going on, whether it's like with clubs you're involved in or sports or social aspects. Um, I felt like school was hard, you know, like I, I was not the best student and it is, it can be hard. Don't get me wrong, but I've really noticed, um, you know, being older and, um, you know, just having, you know, more sort of maturity and, and just a slower lifestyle. Um, it's, it's come a lot easier and, um, yeah, I would encourage anyone. I mean, I like, I, yeah, was not a strong student growing up, but I've really enjoyed my time in school now. And I, I just, um, you know, I say to like my wife, like I, I was always trying to take shortcuts, um, before, cause I didn't really, you know, put the time in to, to really just read the directions, you know, that each class is presenting and try to get something out of it. I think when you, you know, are taking classes you're interested in, which a lot of times in college, you get the opportunity to do, it can be really enjoyable. Um, and that's the experience I've had so far. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? Yeah. You know, I think honest, uh, self-reflection, um, and, and assessment has been the biggest thing for me. I, uh, you know, I, I've always been a a hard worker, um, but, you know, a big thing for me has 
has been asking myself tougher questions about like, am I, you know, choosing the best resources and outside of when I'm working on this task, am I doing all the right things to put me in the right headspace to, to have success? I think, um, you know, taking care of yourself is, is critical, um, to, you know, achieving whatever you're trying to do. And, um, you know, I referenced a little bit throughout my career, I, I had to make adjustments. Um, and I'm really happy. I, you know, went through those experiences because they've helped me as I've moved on from baseball to, um, you know, just, uh, really focusing on my health and well-being and, and allowing, um, the rest to sort of happen, you know, when you're taking care of yourself and following your passions, I think the work tends to come pretty easy. Well, Charlie, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we are excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thanks so much for having me on, Alex. This this was a blast. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to the full-length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.